welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. I'm Robbo and as always I'm joined by Cheeto. Hello. And after a brief hiatus, we're back with a vengeance, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) And today what we're going to do is we're going to discuss uh, some of... Uh, our favourite directors. We're going to try and pick our top three films from each director. So hopefully it's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start straight into it. Martin Scorsese. Mm. Um, don't know what your initial thoughts are on Scorsese. Well, um, I think he is the probably the best director ever. Yeah. Um, there may be more directors out there who've made more films than him yeah. but I think he's hit the heights that yeah. no no other director has yeah. so so I'm just going to go through some of his uh, films that he's he's done so you've got like Main Streets you've got Taxi Driver New York New York which was a musical so he's he's done diverse mm. films Raging Bull King of Comedy After Hours Colour of Money again a, 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 that was a, a sequel to The Hustler so yeah. again a, a, a different because he's kind of known for like gangster films but yeah. he's, he's done Last Temptation of Christ well, this thing you always say that people always say that he just does gangster yeah. movies but he actually has a big repertoire did, he? Uh, did the Michael Jackson bad music video which kind of again and he's done some other music videos he also as done well. um, uh, what was that um, animated movie oh yeah that was um, I think Hugo um, in 2000 yeah. 2011 and he did it for his kid um, and he actually won Golden Globe, I think. Yeah. He won Best Director for yeah. that. So, but then he's obviously done Goodfellas, done Cape Fear, another Michael Jackson video, Casino. Yeah, uh, Bringing Out the Dead, Gangs of New York, uh, another Michael Jackson video, Aviator, Departed, Shutter Island. He's actually directed an episode of the Boardwalk Empire, so he in, dipped into TV. Did the George George Harrison documentary. Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, um, and then he's obviously got some up-and-coming um, films which I think we're looking forward to seeing, particularly Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Um, the thing with Scorsese is is he was part of that new wave of, of American directors yeah. coming out of the 60s and yeah. early 70s, and um, he just sort of... It's weird because he started firing on all cylinders yeah. straight away, and, um, yeah, I just... I didn't realise he did that much. No. It's it's weird when you look at um, yeah you think you look you I guess you only pick out the sort of the, the masterpiece yeah I, I, yeah exactly yeah. so but yeah like you say it's like he he was a contemporary of like Coppola Brian De Palma George Lucas they, yeah they all came out in that early seventies uh, when the studios really were were just bleeding money um, the people just weren't going to watch films and they they wanted to appeal to a younger audience so yeah. they brought in these new directors. Um, but now he's kind of established as a yeah, and like I said, I I, I just I just think that the films he's done, h- how like the, the many decades he's done it over, and he's still making movies yeah. now and I think still be consistent good. over yeah. such a long period of time. And I think as well, yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. probably say he's definitely a top three director yeah. of all time. So all right, so top three. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. So yeah. third is uh, Cape Fear. Yeah. Um, 
it was I'd say Scorsese was probably the hardest for me because mm. just trying to fit three of his movies in yeah but the reason why I chose Cape Fear is because I think it was I actually think it was the first Scorsese movie I watched and I just love Robert De Niro's mm. portrayal of Max Cady um, obviously it's a remake but I I think it's it's slightly better um, holds up better and it's just a weird film isn't it yeah. like um, even the way it's shot but yeah he Scorsese always gets his antagonist right and yeah Max Cady is, is really underrated yeah. so he, he carries the film and also I think obviously Nick Nolte you've got Jesse Lange mm. as well um, but yeah just a really really good thriller that really does put you on the edge yeah. of your seat you know so yeah I agree there with one of those yeah right, you're, you're all right uh, I'm going to go straight in one of his earlier films yeah I think it's probably Mean Streets yeah because that's I think introduction to him as a sort of in the gangster genre it's got Harvey Keitel and a, an early performance from Robert De Niro mm. I just think it's it kind of defines his kind of him as a director mm. um, so yeah I mean it's it's um, I think it's it's for for an early film I think of his okay it's it might seem a bit dated now but I think it's it's um, definitely a good film well, I've not seen it. I've seen parts yeah. of it, but I think for his first film, you can still see um, things sprinkled in that he's taken mm. throughout his career. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, you know, he started that um, that relationship with both um, Harvey Keitel and, and Robert De Niro. Yeah, so. nice. I definitely need to yeah. watch it. Um, second is is The Departed. Um, yeah, I. This is a uh, a um, redone for an American audience version of Eternal Affairs, I believe. Yep, it's I think it was a Korean film. Yep, um, and it's the only adaptation of a foreign film that I believe to win an Oscar. Yep, it won. I believe it did it win Best Picture. Yeah, yeah and that's right. it's Martin Scorsese's only win for uh, Best Director yeah. as well, which is crazy. <laughs> but um, I mean, <clears throat> the things I take away from The Departed is. Uh, the cast is yeah. one of the best you know you've got you've got literally A-listers mm-hmm. coming out their arse you know like you've got Leonardo DiCaprio Matt Damon Jack Nicholson um, Martin Sheen Mark Wahlberg I can go on yeah. for yeah. Um, but what I take away from it is one it's a really really um, smart clever plot um, just to to sum it up really Leonardo DiCaprio tries to get into the uh, police force he's kind of shunned they gave him a second chance and be like, okay, we want you to be a rat in Jack Nicholson's sort of gang. And Matt Damon plays sort of Jack Nicholson's right-hand man and then he is a rat to go into the police force. Yeah, he's, he's, he's basically being groomed as from a child yeah. to be a police officer. So they've got someone inside the police department. Yeah. And the same with Di- so DiCaprio, he's doing the opposite. opposite. He's going undercover and it's that, it's that parallel which it, yeah. which goes through the whole movie yeah. um but i just what i take away from the film is is it just the one thing scorsese is an absolute master at is just showing absolute grit and real life um it's a very gory film and like i said it, it's very real and it sort of stays with you yeah. you know um and i mean there's a there's a i don't give it away but there's a sort of a twist at the end yeah. which just heightens it for me personally and um, yeah it's just an amazing film that really does keep you on the edge of your seat and he he's a brilliant thriller 
director, isn't he? Yeah, so, he is, yeah. Um, yeah, he definitely deserved his best director Oscar for that. And I'm going to say that's one of mine as yep. well, I think. So, um, I'll, I'll go straight into my last one. Yep. Tough, because it's such, I mean... <laughs> what did you take yeah, away? Yeah, exactly. You know? But I'm going to go for maybe... I, I, don't, I mean, I, I love Casino. Mm. I love Goodfellas. And I think I'm going to go for Goodfellas. Well, I think. number one's for me is Goodfellas. Yeah. And I think we'll, that's his, <coughs> that is his magnum opus, yeah. isn't it? That is his masterpiece. Uh-huh. And there is a film I only recently watched um, yep. called Bringing Out the Dead, which I thought is worth a mention. Is that the Nicholas Cage, Cage one? Yeah. Where he plays um, a paramedic and it's... it's it's really a very different film for Scorsese, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. But it's again, it, it's I guess it explores similar themes. But it, yeah, it's just I think it's worth a mention. Yeah. Well, I mean, Goodfellas. I think is if you if you think of Martin Scorsese, you you either think of Taxi Driver or I think Goodfellas. Yeah, I agree. It's Goodfellas. Goodfellas. <laughs> That's the British um, version. Goodfellas. Yeah. And it's it plays. Um, it's set in the obviously um, mafia. Um, and it's about uh, stars the late great Ray Liotta, Best De Niro, um, and he uh, essentially becomes a, a rat for the FBI, mm. uh, and he's placed in witness protection. And that's just kind of the. But there's actually true elements to it as yeah. well. So there's there's a robbery like the Lufthansa robbery, which actually took place. So, but I think it, it brings together everything. Um, I love the opening scene in it. Yeah, oh yeah. <clears throat> one of the best of all I think time. we did it, we did that in one of our other podcasts, greatest opening scenes. Mm. Um, and I think De Niro's performance, Liotta's performance, I think absolutely brilliant as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, Goodfellas, it, it, once again, it shows that uh, Scorsese attended the detail. Like this is what actually goes on in gangs and yeah. it shows Ray Liotta's um, sort of rise in, in the mafia. Yeah. Um, it shows this whole tells his whole story for me as yeah. a young kid um, yeah just just brilliant story brilliant characters you but know also kind of introduced Joe Pesci yeah relatively unknown up to that point and he just gives a, I mean a, a, an amazing performance an Oscar winning performance yeah, as well exactly um, yeah and I think obviously kind of defined his career oh yeah I mean Goodfellas is one of those movies where what more can you say you know everyone knows it's a masterpiece and it's by far one of the best films ever made and yeah I think it's Martin Scorsese's probably his best film and that's saying something as well but um, I think everyone was knew we were going to put Goodfellas at one (laughs) but it's just because it's so good you know but yeah okay moving on yep so our next one is Quentin Tarantino Mm. So we know exactly how many films Quentin Tarantino directed because he said himself that he's only ever going to direct 10 films yep. in his life and then he's going to give up and do other things. So, going through Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, uh, Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. So, I mean, with Tarantino, he is the absolute master of dialogue, yeah. isn't he? And writing. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's a self-confessed film nerd, isn't he? Yeah, That's he is. Thing. And he, he just has such um, enthusiasm about films and filmmaking. Um, whenever you see interviews with him, he's so enthused about talking about films. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, he is, yeah. I mean, you look at just scenes from, I mean, we talked about, again, Res- uh 
greatest opening scenes and Reservoir Dogs just dialogue at the mm. in the opening scenes. Um, so that's why that is one of my I think Reservoir yeah. Dogs because mine's number th- that's number three yeah, for me as well because I think you know obviously as an introduction to um, t- to uh, as an introductory film I think I mean low budget but mm. just absolutely an amazing film it I is. think. Um, you can see it's low budget because it's set. It's it's set on. <laughs> it's only what three or four different <laughs> locations. Uh, locations. Yeah. But I mean, you look at. I mean, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Steve Buscemi. Um, just great performances from them. I think. Yep, and it it's um, it. The movie is the, obviously it's the first Tantino movie, but in his first movie, also shows. A quality that he, he does, or or characteristic of his movies, is to tell stories not in chronological order. Yeah, as well. And I mean, that's something we praise Nolan for. But uh, Tarantino was doing that ten years earlier, and in yeah. his first film, he was doing that. And um, it's a risky move to try and sometimes do that because it's very hard to make a coherent film. But like I said, he's he's just a master at writing, yeah. and um, it like I said with Reservoir Dogs, there's a lot of it's very dialogue heavy, isn't it? Like yeah. a lot of his films, but it's just, he's just the absolute master of dialogue that you just eat it all up, don't you? And, um, yeah, it's just, like, obviously you've got the main, the main, um, the, obviously the main hideout mm. um, after the high score and wrong, which they do show in yeah. sort of flashbacks, but it's just very tense between them all, isn't it? Because they don't, they yeah. don't know each other, they don't know them yeah. each other, you know? They don't it's know just the, sort of a standoff. You know, they're all given colours as names, yeah. and so they don't know each, you know, their real names, they don't know their backgrounds, they they, they have no idea who they are, who they can trust. Um, but again, it's very gritty, um, it's violent, but it's it's a absolutely roller coaster, I think, right? Yeah, that's, that's, good, that's a good word, and I mean, for first film, it's I don't know who else has a better first film than that, no. you know. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's just what I can take away from it. It's yeah. just the, the dialogue is actually so intriguing, and then the way he shows certain um, aspects of the movie, certain goings on in the movie out, out of chronological order, is just just keeps you hooked on it, yeah. you know, because you're you're kind of finding out about the story as our characters are as well and it just keeps you hooked the whole time so yeah, yeah. okay so my next one mm. is Inglorious Bastards yeah I knew that would um, be on your list yeah um, I don't know if it's I don't know it's, it's hard again to pick your favourite ones because you know I I watched this recently mm. and but I watched it like quite a, quite a while ago yeah and it's only after watching it again recently I realised how much I enjoyed it well, and sometimes it takes a, a rewatch yeah. I've done it um, but it's essentially about just a group of allied soldiers in World War 2 they're, they're all Jewish and they're they're um, they're basically told to just go and kill Nazis kill Nazis yeah. yeah and to basically spread spread fear um, through the Nazi army uh, or German army but then there's a parallel um there's a parallel storyline of this um young Jewish girl who comes to Paris she uh takes oh she starts takes over a cinema um and the plan is that Hitler's going to come and watch a film in the cinema and she's plotting to basically kill Hitler and the and the high command um and then that's when Michael Fassbender 
is introduced as well as a as a, a British uh, secret agent or military intelligence, and he's he's come to, and so their their stories kind of converge right at the yeah. end. Um, and it, they actually do succeed in, in killing Hitler, yeah. so it's kind of almost like a what if as well <laughs> yeah. story. But I think this it's got to be. I mean, it's Brad Pitt. You know, um, but the standout performance, I think, he's got to be Christoph Waltz oh, yeah, as Hans Lander, yeah. and we've said in, he is, I think, on our list of the greatest movie villains yeah. of all time. There's a, and the, the opening scenes of all time are the mm. greatest. Was it the opening scenes? Yeah, opening scenes. Yeah. yeah, where he he basically delivers this sort of this monologue, switching between three different languages, and it's just a, like say a master of of dialogue of writing. Yeah, but just the the actual delivery of that scene was was. Absolutely! Did he get an Oscar for that? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, yeah, is that the second Oscar he's got? He collaborating got, with. Yeah, because he got was it, was it Django? Yeah, well, he got an yeah, Oscar. He got for. So yeah, so obviously he enjoys working with Tarantino. Yeah, and just saying that Christoph Waltz was a um, an unknown, complete unknown. Um, he was like a, a stage actor in Germany, yeah, Austria, yeah. one of them, and he he could obviously see the the world class acting ability he had and he yeah. hired him from that so yeah so that's my I'd say I I'm saying my favourite three I'm not going to put them in order because I think just I don't think I can I'm just no. going to give you my favourite three films of the yeah. those directors I, I'd, so. I'd probably do yeah. that I'd probably agree <laughs> um, and just one more thing when Glorious Bar says it has, it has that lovely lovely carnage candy gore that yeah. Tarantino puts in his movies yeah. It's almost like um, it's like in Kill Bill. It's almost like um, it's over the top, mm. almost pantomime, um, and in some ways that kind of then detracts from how gory it actually is. Yeah, it does. Because you, you, even though there's like um, there's a scene where they're shooting, they're putting a whole clip into one guy. Yeah. But it's it, it's got this like classical music. And it's, almost, yeah. it's almost beautiful. Yeah. The way it's shot, and it's it's weird to say that. I'm not like a no. psychopath, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 hard because the way it's it's sort of it's not obviously not a true story, but it would you consider a war film? I would. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. One of the best mm. ever, then, isn't it? Um, so. Yeah, billet film. Um, right. Uh, one of mine is maybe controversial to some, but I do not get the the hate of this film and that's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, well that's one of mine as well is it, it was, well, yeah it was he, well it was like toss up between sort of Pulp Fiction yeah I like Jackie Brown as well as a film yeah. but I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah well is. what it's about it's it's about um, Rick Dalton played by Leonardo DiCaprio is a he's like a a washed up sort of action star western star and it, it's set in the towards the end of the golden age of Hollywood kind of parallels like Steve McQueen's um, career so he starts off on TV in a western series uh, but then obviously there's elements of Clint Eastwood as well so he goes he goes off to um, abroad I think is it Italy? Italy yeah to make obviously western films Um, so it's kind of yeah but um, yeah it's sort of set in that Ending period of the golden age of Hollywood, um, late sixties. Uh, Cliff Booth is played by Brad Pitt, who he won an Oscar for yeah. that. Um, he's his his um, stunt double, and yeah, it just showcases Hollywood at the end yeah. of the golden age of of 
Hollywood um, <laughs> or film in general um, it's obviously got Margot Robbie um, it's got uh, I don't know who plays um, Polanski in that um, but yeah, yeah Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate, Tate. Cause, uh, uh, couldn't think of a name <laughs> yeah because Rick Dalton he, he buys a he buys a house next door to Roman Polanski yeah. and Sharon Tate and it's, it's so there's there's um, there's real elements, so there's yeah, you know, and there's um, yeah, there's uh, obviously fictional elements as well, but it's based obviously on a, a real story because actually, I think um, Cliff actually goes and visits the Spahn Ranch, is where yeah. the Manson family are hanging out. And just just to sum it up, basically, uh, at the end, um, something happens, and they have beef with Cliff. And they find out Cliff's actually staying uh, with Rick, and uh, obviously the previous beef they had with Cliff, they go over to Rick's house, and yeah. They so instead of actually going through with the actual Shantae uh, murders. murders, they actually target Rick. And just I can tell you, the last act of this film is just the most Tarantino, oh, just godly filmmaking. <laughs> um, it's super gory because um, this is the thing. Yeah. I thought that because uh, the geese is played by Austin Butler in it, yeah. and I thought he was gonna kill Cliff. Like yeah. I, I actually had there's proper stakes there, and then in true Tarantino style, it just becomes an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. And it ends with uh, Rick uh, flame throwing yeah. a girl. Any, anything that involves a flame throw, <laughs> it's so say, good, yeah, so random, but um, so good. Yeah. And at, at the end of the movie, because. Um, uh, Rick and Sharon, they've like they've seen each other in passing, but they've never actually like introduced each other. Uh, Roman comes out and he's like uh, introduces himself um, to Rick, and then uh, Cliff goes off to hostel because he sustained some injuries, and then they actually meet up with Sharon, um, and that's the gist of the story. But it just one it captures the the sixties and the golden era of Hollywood in the sixties. You know, uh, you got the clothing, you got the settings. Um, even as a uh, uh, obviously it's not Bruce Lee but it's a yeah. guy playing Bruce yeah. Lee so it's got very like pop culture yeah, um, yeah. yeah. and I, it's just such a fun film and it's just such a interesting film because this would have happened to a lot of stars in the 60s yeah. when they, they're out of work and they're trying so desperately to find some more and cling on to, to their I guess the, the Hollywood dream isn't yeah. it and it's just it's Tarantino it, it, like I said at the end it's, it's turned up um, Tarantino style but it's just such a, a great sort of I suppose it's it's um, very character driven with, with Cliff and Rick their relationship yeah. as well you know and it's just such a brilliant film and I can I, I hate to use the word hate because it wasn't hated but I just don't think people some people got it as no. a film um, I don't think they got what Tantino was trying to showcase I think even though there, there is a lot of humour in it and I think there some is, yeah. people don't get that they, no. they take it as a serious film when it's not I don't think it's intended to be a serious film no but but once uh, Brad Pitt is Cliff um, he steals the show basically and he more than deserved his Oscar for it so yeah it's an absolutely amazing film I can't sort of praise it enough because yeah. it is you have to watch this movie so yeah. Okay, so I've done Reservoir Dogs, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Inglourious Bastards. You got any more? Yep. Uh, okay. Also, I forgot you did three. Yeah. Um, probably his most famous Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, I just, 
once again it, it, it carries a lot of the stuff from Reservoir Dogs yeah um, it's, it's, it's kind of it's, it's like a series of vignettes or yeah. separate kind of stories but they all kind of converge yeah um, and I think that because it, it, again it jumps forwards and back. some of the stories jump forwards and backwards in time particularly Bruce Willis's one as as Butch and, yep. um but yeah again it's it's um so it's just it's it's uh, about different people and all their like you said all their stories converge so you've got two assassins uh, Vincent and Jules um obviously you got uh, Bruce Willis yeah. Butch you got Tim Roth's character yeah. and it's just this interwoven story that just connects yeah. at the end and, and it all makes sense Um with Thurman and, yeah. and Ving Rhames um, and yeah so it, it sort of it relaunched kind of John Travolta's career didn't oh yeah it, really yeah. Um, solidified Samuel L. Jackson as a movie as star a movie A-lister and a, and a kind of an action kind of badass yeah. I guess <laughs> you motherfucker yeah, yeah. Um, again it's got Harvey Keitel in it who yeah. collabor- frequent collaborator with um, Tarantino now but yeah, again, it's it's very dialogue heavy yeah. as well. But I I personally think that Pulp Fiction is probably showcases his best dialogue because it's just it's so it's probably like eighty percent dialogue. But yeah. you just it's so good and the, and he tells a story each story so well and they work canonically even though they're different stories woven and it's just you just you just think to yourself how can someone come up with this you know and it's just it's just such a joy to watch like it's what like two two hours nearly three hours maybe and it just flew past when I watched it because it's just such a masterpiece of just filmmaking you know and it's I, I personally me I think it is Tarantino's best film um, I think it showcases the very very best of what Tarantino yeah. can do and it's just such a all round just absolute masterpiece and it's it's of course it's, it's always going to be remembered and a lot of people have it as one of the best movies ever made and it, and it is in my opinion yeah. so yeah, I mean, it was close between that yeah. and, and some of the uh, other Once ones. again, Tarantino's done so many brilliant films, hasn't he? Yeah, I think ev- pretty much every one of his films, I think, has not missed. No. I don't think. Um, He's hit the bar with absolutely exactly. every film. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that Pulp Fiction just, he was in the, the prime of his life and um, it came out in a year where you had the Shawshank Redemption and Forrest Gump. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Pulp Fiction was the best. It won the... Did it win best Palm Door? Palm Door, yeah, yeah. Um, at the Cannes Film Festival. Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Um, so it beat Shawshank Redemption, yeah. Forrest Gump. So mm-hmm. that saying so, and yeah, just it's an absolute masterpiece of just storytelling. Something Tarantino's the no one's better than him yeah. at that. So, okay, moving on. So moving on, um, our next director is Christopher Nolan. I know one of your uh, favorite ones. Yeah. Um, looking at his, I mean, he's not a prolific. No, um, film director. I mean, it's, it's probably his first well-known film was Memento in two thousand. Insomnia, Batman Begins, obviously Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet, and then up and coming. Um, I think it should have been this year, but it's now next mm. year. Is Oppenheimer, which I think we're looking forward oh, to. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, just just a bit on Chris Nolan. Obviously, he's very much like Tarantino. Um, he likes to tell his stories um, uh, non canonically. Um, I think he's another master at storytelling uh, of actual v- visuals. He he doesn't like CGI, which is another thing. Brilliant 
under underrated uh, dialogue, right of dialogue. Um, but yeah, is definitely his his biggest sort of feat is his storytelling. So yeah. just get out of the way. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. So um, it's probably going to be in yours, Interstellar. Yes, it yep. is actually. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go into that? Yeah, I'll go into okay. it. Yeah, well, then, um, you go first. So it stars Matthew McConaughey. Um, he, he won the lead acting Oscar, and it, it was right in the middle of the reconnaissance, wasn't it? Yeah. So basically, um, the Earth's uh, sort of run out of of resources, yeah. and uh, Matthew McConaughey leads a team to try and uh, basically do a suicide mission yeah. through a, a wormhole yeah. to find another planet that um, they can basically survive on. Yeah, so um, but that's gonna it's, it's a bit too, a bit habitable for yeah. for humans. Yeah, that's just a short yeah. summary of it. Um, it's it's weird with Interstellar because uh, I always say this: if I I was a bit maybe a bit too young, but if I could have watched any film or cinema, it'd be Interstellar because it's made for the big screen. You know, yeah. um, the the special effects, even though they're what eight years old, they yeah. they still hold up now. They're they're some of the best special effects you'll ever see in your life he he is a passion project he cared about so much they actually went to scientists physicists to actually be like is is this how physics works yeah. and whatnot and obviously not the um living on the planets no. and stuff but um wormholes and whatnot he wanted to get it bang on and once again it's just a, a it's a, it's quite a simple story isn't it really but it's just a the yeah. relationships he adds in the relationship with his daughter um, yeah. his son um, Murph I believe is, yeah. is his daughter the, that, he actually in pre-production um, he consulted with um, physicist Kip Thorne yeah. and he laid down like two guidelines just to follow so nothing would actually violate physical laws Yeah, and everything that um was in the film would come from science and not from a creative mind so it yeah. had to be you know accurate scientifically as well which I think does make it a really good film oh yeah and it shows that he, he cares about the product he's, he's although it's, out. it's set in like the, the sort of near future it is yeah it's still using kind of technology from our it's maybe our a little time. bit more advanced but it's still yeah you know, they've still got pretty much the spaceships they use are pretty what we would use now yeah. and, and that kind of thing but so. I think the the, the main part of the actual film is uh, his relationship with his daughter Merv yeah. um, she uh, that's um, Jennifer Chastain yeah um, are we doing Jessica, spoilers sorry Jessica Chastain Jessica Chastain. Yeah. are we doing spoilers um, probably not no, that's I don't fine. think so um, she's in, an integral part of the story I'm yeah. the, I'll say that and um, yeah like I said it's just brilliant Cause story because as a child she's obviously very into science because yeah. in the near future, obviously where resources are low, people either become scientists or farmers, mm. and and uh, I think priority is given to farmers, isn't it? Yeah, and I believe the son is He's a farmer. farmer yeah, um, and then she actually grows up to go and work for the same uh, agency company yeah. that actually sent her dad into space, or Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Um, which obviously has got the great Michael Caine as yeah, well. Yeah, Michael Caine. He's got a really good car. He's got, obviously got Han Halfway as well, yeah. who accompanies him. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's just brilliant storytelling. Yeah. And once again, it is a it's a simple story. But you add in those those relationships, you add in those stakes, um, and it just turns it into an absolute yeah. 
one of his best movies and I will say that I've got a, a bit of a flaw with the film I think it slows right down with the the ending I won't say what it is yeah. um, I think that takes it away from it a bit but apart from that just the visuals alone and I mean Hans Zimmer as well we haven't even talked about the scores no. Hans Zimmer's brilliant score to accompany it uh, Matthew McConaughey it really made me believe that this guy is uh, a world class actor because mm. he is he really showed his ability yeah. in that and he more than deserved his Oscar I think Jessica Chastain's brilliant Anne Hathaway Michael Caine all, all of mm. them are brilliant performances and yes, yeah, John Lithgow John well. Lithgow yeah Lord Lithgow yeah. Right? you can't forget about him um, you just yeah it's just a brilliant sort of tale um, and yeah it just really does show his storytelling ability and his writing ability as well yeah because he writes along with his brother you yeah, Jonathan yeah. writes a lot of his films as well um, yeah so it's it's well written beautifully shot um, I tell you he's also a master at stakes uh, yeah. he, he his films do have you at the very edge of your seat and this boy does his film at stakes <laughs> like I said I don't want to give too much away because it's a film you just yeah. have to watch but it is a, a modern day masterpiece yeah. isn't it so yeah it is yeah so that is one of mine yeah. as well um, my next one is one of his earlier ones and that's Insomnia yep um, it's actually a remake of a 97 uh, I think it's Norwegian film yeah starring uh, Stellan Skarsgård yeah well this this film um, stars Al Pacino uh, as a police officer and Robin Williams as a uh, serial killer and it's set in Alaska and the insomnia comes from the fact that um Al Pacino's character because of the the long days because of the constant um, daylight can't sleep mm. um I think it's again it's being obviously being a remake you are kind of following the original film but I think it I've se I've seen the original film yeah did you see it before insomnia no I didn't okay. no, I watched it afterwards mm. and although the stories are obviously similar it's not going to be exactly the same no. and I think again it's it's just so well written um, so well acted I think Al Pacino because obviously where he's not sleeping he's kind of devolving into some you know men mental mentally mm. what it is is he's also he's under investigation for for, um, uh, for I can't remember if it's for corruption or, or for something and so he's kind of going to try to, to go here to try to get away from all that but it's, yeah. it's still around Um and then you've got Robin Williams who plays the um, the actual killer. And like we were saying the other day, I actually prefer Robin Williams in straight yeah. roles. I think he, you know, one hour photo, he was brilliant. This is brilliant. I think well. he's a brilliant, serious actor. Yeah. Um, and in, he, he shows it in this film as well. Yeah. Um, anything else on, on that? Or? Uh, I think you've covered everything. I think yeah, I think I've covered everything. Yeah. I mean, it just go and watch it. Like I mean, said, it's, it's a movie that yeah. not a lot of people realise that is a Christopher Nolan no, movie because it's. It it's um, I mean, I didn't realise when I when I obviously I watched it when it probably first came yeah. out. So when Nolan was probably not he'd not done obviously Batman and the other no. films. I think the only film of note he did was Memento. Yeah, and that was about well, it. I, even, I didn't even know Memento was no. was a Nolan film because back then I probably didn't even it sort of it didn't register with me. No. I don't think. But yeah, um, go and watch it. It's a brilliant film. I mean, I, I could go into it, but I don't want to give anything yeah, away. Yeah, thing. It's very hard because you don't want to yeah. give the actual story away. No. But um, do you want me to do mine now? Yeah, you can yep. do yours, yeah. Uh, another one of mine is uh, Inception. Yeah. Um, now, I, I admit uh, my thoughts have changed in this film. Um, when I first 
when we first started the film geezers i had this as one of the best movies of all time while i think it's a uh very top tier movie i don't think it it really touches the top 50 but it's still a brilliant brilliant film um the plot right i'm gonna have to read it because it's just such a hard thing to get your head around so Cobb, who is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, a skilled thief who commits corporate espionage by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets, is offered the chance to regain his old life as payment for a task considered to be impossible. Inception, the implantation of another person's idea into a target subconscious. So even, even looking at on a page, it's really hard to get your mind, uh, head around, you know, yeah. but um, this film... Uh, it's probably his most passionate film. He even came out and said that he spent 10 years. Um, so it would have been when he made Memento. He took that long to write the film. And you can really see it because it's such a deep layered um, story. Um, it's got a, a brilliant cast. You've got Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael Caine. So I had to always say Michael Caine. <laughs> uh, Tom Hardy, I believe, in his first American role, I believe. Um, you've got Ellen Page. Um, Sorry for missing anyone out, and yeah, it's just such a. I don't. This thing. I don't want to give anything away, um, but it's just such a deep, layered story, and it's so. What I, what I always appreciate is when something is fresh and new, and at the time it was absolutely. You'd never seen anything like this. You know, planting planting someone else's mem- yeah. memories in another person. Um, I've got Killing Murphy in it as well. That just adds to it. Um, the once again, Hans Zimmer's score is is one of his best time as a personal fate of mine. Yeah. But like I said, with this with films like Inception, just go watch them for yourself and experience it. You may have to watch it a second time to sort of get your head round it. But um, just how I how I watched it as I turned all the lights off, you know, phone off, and I just delved right into the film and I ate it up. And it's just it's so even now it's, it stands up as being so refreshing compared to all the rehash yeah. of, of genres or whatnot, you know and it's just such a deep layered story I've got to say I've maybe seen it twice and it's yeah. not, not my favourite Nolan film yeah but yeah it's, it's definitely worth it like I said I, it's gone down in my yeah. thing but I I can still appreciate that he tried something different and it, it, it works you know um Maybe the fact that he always tried a bit too hard is is what brings it down for me because there is a couple of plot holes here and there. But apart from that, yeah, it's just such a fresh new film that we've never seen before, a story that we've never seen before. Yeah. And it's just, you can tell it was his passion project and you can tell that he did spend 10 years on this film. So yeah, go watch it. Yeah. So my last one is probably going to be on your list as well. And it's got to be Dark Knight. I wonder why. <laughs> right, um, we'll, 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 we'll keep it. We won't talk about hours, even though we can. All right. About so, okay. Um, well, the Dark Knight. Well, I think of the Dark Knight trilogy, mm. that the Dark Knight is, I think, widely considered the best. I mean, Batman, I think all three films are, are great. Yeah. They're really good. But I think, unlike all the trilogies, I think, you know, Batman, Batman Begins... And Dark Knight Rises are just slightly, yeah. I think, not as good. Oh, do you want me to explain the plot? Uh, or do you want to do it? You can if you yeah. want, yeah. So fine. basically, after the events of, of Batman Begins, um, obviously we're shown... Oh, I was about to say a spoiler then. <laughs> Watch Batman Begins, okay? Yeah. 
Um, so basically, the uh, Batman's cleared up the streets, and the mob has to go underground. They're scared to to deal in the daytime, and they hire the Joker, uh, who's a mastermind criminal. Everyone knows the Joker's a mastermind criminal to take down the Batman. And um, it may sound sort of um, not that interesting, but or a simple story but you just have to watch, once again Dark Knight you have to, it's one of those films where you just have to watch it and experience it for yourself because it is um, quite rightly so considered the best superhero comic book movie ever and one of the best movies ever made and it just it once again it is um, Christopher Nolan's magnus, magnum opus um, it's his best best work we've ever seen I don't think he'll ever make a movie near this good again I don't think we'll ever see a superhero movie this good because the, the one thing it does is it transcends comic books it's not just a great, great comic book movie it's just not just a good Batman movie it, it is a great movie and I am not embarrassed and you, you see it in all the movie websites it's always in and around the Godfather Pulp Fiction you know it's one of the quite literally one of the best movies ever made and it just got it's a, a brilliant storytelling of Batman, a character Chris Nolan cares about, and it once again it's another passion pro- project of his, and it's just you, it's one of those films where you can just you can recite so many different things, so many different like um sort of set pieces from it or, or sequences from it. It's so memorable, and I think we have to talk about a, a certain actor. Why it well, is Batman Begins obviously introduces the Batman character and it's his origin story so the majority of the film is is taken up with how Batman becomes yeah, it's Batman his, it's his film yeah. you know his training and everything else so it's only at the end you sort of you get to see a little bit of what he's capable of and this obviously being the second part of a trilogy you can fully explore Batman as a character but you also it's part of his story arc as well yep um, and I think why a lot of people think say that Bale is the best Batman is that we get to see him f- as a full character from, yep. from from you know from yeah that's a very good point and in, his development as well in Batman Begins like half of it is yeah. is them s- starting from a certain yeah. point where in Batman Begins you've 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 done his origin yeah. you know what the character is like now you can go yeah. full on and extending I mean, that we've we've already done a Batman special and stuff mm. but going back to say Tim Burton's Batman is yeah you see you see um, you see the death of Bruce Wayne's parents mm. we don't actually see anything between that and him no. appear as Batman so I think that's that's why I think a lot of people think um, yeah that Christian Bell I mean he's my favourite Batman I've yeah. got to say um, and that's because we get to see him his full story arc yeah. I think but then again obviously Dark Knight works so well because of a the certain, antagonist in it really someone. and um, I think without Without him, I mean, obviously, the Joker is synonymous with Batman as mm. he's got a main antagonist, and I think the the casting of that did make the film really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe, but it was one of those instances where everyone was up in, like, they were ready to riot at that at the fact that Heath Ledger was cast as Joker, yeah. but it, in my opinion, I in a lot of people's opinions, as an act, there's there's a Sure, there's you got Darth Vader more iconic, but I, and maybe a couple of antagonists. But I think that is the best performance of an antagonist in film history. You know, he he won an Oscar 
for the performance and he basically it's, it's sad to say this but in a lot of ways him going so method with it um, he, he I believe before filming and during filming he'd, he'd once the cameras well I think cut, he shut himself in his hotel yeah. room and he's staying in character and I think that, that it drove him crazy yeah. you know and, and I think a lot of it led, led to um, his unfortunate death but I mean, what a what what a performance to go out on, isn't it? You know, and like I said, it's just it's one of those, it's one of those things. Once again, we can sit here and be like, "Oh, it's really good," but you just have to watch it yourself because yeah. Heath Ledger is just an absolutely world class actor, and it's just such a shame that he he did pass away. But yeah. I mean, it's one of the best performances of cinema history, and it is it is his film. It yeah. just is his film. But as Joker's gone, I mean, you've got the campy sixties, you know, Cesar Romero yeah. Joker. You've got. I mean, to actually eclipse Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I know, because he, he set the bar very well, high. Yeah. But I think Heath Ledger's captured, he's menacing, he's sinister, um, but it, and I think he's underestimated by people because of mm. the way that he looks yep. as well. And he's, he, he doesn't pose a physical threat like Bane. He's unpredictable. No. Yeah. And you just don't know what he's going to do next. He's batshit crazy. Cause throughout uh, the whole film, he, he tells a story about how he got his scars, yeah. and it changes every time yeah. he tells it. So you don't so know he's never quite story. sure of his origin as well, which is because he just co- he just comes out of nowhere, doesn't yeah. he? And he's just this, this yeah. um, blank slate, I guess. Yeah. You can put whoever project anything you want on him, and yeah, like we could talk about it about the and dark again, the opening ages. scene, the bank heist. Yeah. Oh, what is probably one of the best yeah. opening scenes, um, and even even the ending scene yeah. as well. But I must say. As for comic book movie, don't expect it to be a massive Marvel fight clusterfuck CGI. It's just pure storytelling. The ending, isn't yeah, it? And yeah. it's the perfect ending for a movie yeah. like this. So, okay. Well, I've done my three. So, have you got? Have you got one more to do? No, I've done my three. Okay. I uh, just an, an, another brilliant um, soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Just had to get out yeah. of there. Okay. So we, we could talk about this for <laughs> no, hours. No, yeah. Um, yeah, because obviously, I think without. Without um, the Dark Knight, mm. maybe we wouldn't have had the uh, sort of MC or DC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I think we wouldn't have had the sort of Schneider Batman as well. I oh, think yeah, because uh, obviously I think Christopher Nolan is also involved in yeah, as producer. a producer, so obviously he has some input on that on the character of Batman. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we got him to thank for that as well. Yep, hundred percent. Okay, so moving on, um, we've got Ridley Scott. Yep. So just go through some of his filmographies. First film, Jewish. You got Alien. You got Blade Runner. You got Legend. You got Black Rain. You got Thelma and Louise. Fourteen Ninety Two, Conquest of Paradise. White Squall, GI Jane, Gladiator, Hannibal, Black Hawk Down, Matchstick Men, Kingdom of Heaven, A Good Year, American Gangster, Body of Lies, Robin Hood, Prometheus, The Counselor, Exodus, <laughs> God and Kings, The Martian, Alien Covenant. All Money in the World, uh, The Last Duel, House of Gucci. Um, he's got a, a Napoleon film out. It's yep. in post-production, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and then there's a Gladiator Two, apparently, yeah. is announced. Well, well, that's been that's been um in pre-production for <laughs> yeah, years now, I think. So, but I think we we've already done. We did a, a Ridley Scott special, mm-hmm. and I think we we both think yeah, he's a great director, but sometimes his his catalogue of work is a little bit hit and miss yeah so he'll have a a fantastic film and then he might have a couple of maybe not great ones Mm. but 
I'm going to go first, and so I want to say Alien. Yeah, I've got Alien as well. Alien. Um, So it's a sort of science fiction horror film. It's set in the future. It's got basically um, a a ship that's uh, all the... It's on its way back to Earth. All the crew are in, in hibernation. They're woken up because they receive this distress signal. They go down to this planet. They find these eggs. One of them opens up thing comes out attaches it to one of the crew crew people's face played by john hurt um they bring it on board and it basically then um goes wild essentially yeah. and, and kills the crew so that's in a nutshell really um <laughs> might not sound great but it is. i think what what it does is it it you've got that um you're in a confined space mm. it's, it's that classic kind of um well, I mean, it really started a genre in its own yeah. right, didn't it? It's, it's. Well, I would say that it's very much like the Halloween kind of thing. Yeah. Because you've got like some unstoppable force. You're in a confined space, and it's just, just mercilessly. You know, there's no, there's no reasoning behind no. it. It's just killing people. So it's that kind of classic horror concept, but in a science fiction setting. Yeah. Um, you've got obviously, like say, John Hurt, Tom Skerritt. You've got um, Yafet Koto. Harry Dean Stanton and uh, obviously Sigourney Weaver in a kind of breakout performance, mm. and it, again it is defining because it was probably the first kind of action film to have a, a yep. female protagonist. Very progressive for yeah. 1979. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but again, it's 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 defined a genre. It's much sort of re- much copied, much parodied. Um, again, uh, Scott, he, his background was in. Um, TV advertising. Mm. So all what you can say about all of his films, they're just beautifully shot and framed yeah. as well. Um but yeah, it gives it really is that claustrophobia, I think. Yeah, and it puts you right in the action yeah. and you kind of feel what the characters are feeling yeah. as well. And you've got your jump scares and you've got yeah. your other things as well and a little bit of gore and that. But yeah, and I think the alien as a as a, a protagonist and sorry, an antagonist is you know up there with Yeah the best you know um but yeah um what i take away from alien is 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 sigourney weaver as well because i think she puts in a brilliant performance and um likely so she's always considered probably the best female protagonist of all time um i won't go into why because i don't want to get anthrax (laughs) with the male but um yeah she's obviously the star um but like you said it's it's dirty it's gritty it's claustrophobic Um, and just a brilliant antagonist that you just think how the hell are these characters going to survive this you know yeah. and uh, like I said you're, you're either an alien guy or an aliens guy personally I'm an aliens guy but I have actually more respect for this film because uh, it's an absolute masterpiece Again, without Alien you wouldn't have Aliens so no. it's like you know it's you could say any sequel is if even if it's better you, you've got to cite the, yeah. cite the, the the first one because without that you wouldn't have like I said I respect this film yeah. much more it's a masterpiece and um, Ridley Scott like you said he's an absolute master at, at picking his shots yeah. um, obviously from his TV advertising background and it was very um, you had like the, the the models the like the mini models mm. um, uh, where CGI at the time wasn't even a, a thought um, and it just makes this film seem massive and huge um it's got stakes you can you can the the characters are fleshed out they feel like proper characters 
Um, you've got some legacy a- a- actors in there. So what is there not to like about this film? It's just a masterpiece. And I think it's got probably the best introduction scene of any oh, yeah. protagonist. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't yeah. believe we didn't... Don't sp- I'm not going to spoil it, no. but you've got to go watch it. But yeah, it, it does. Probably the best of all time <laughs> in it, you know. Um, once again, it, 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 what's annoying about this podcast is we're choosing masterpieces... Yeah. And there's this us losers talking about it, but you guys have just yeah. got to go and watch yeah. these movies because you know it's just like Alien is is up there with being one of the best horrors of all time, and it's certainly one of Ridley Scott's best. So yeah, okay. Yep. Your your next. What do you want me to do next? You're, you're, so Alien was one of yours as well. Yeah, right? Alien okay. was my yeah, one. Yeah, you do. You do. Right, next um, I know this is one of your favorites. So I'll, I'll let you explain it. Right. Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Okay. So I know that's going to be in yours. So. Right, so it's based on a Philip K. Dick short story called Do Androids um, Dream of Electric Sheep? And it's set in the near future. Um, It's a nondescript city. We we actually, we appeared on um, another podcast talking about Blade Runner and we we discussed all this on there. But yeah, it's kind of a nondescript city. It could be anywhere in the world. Um, And you've got uh, Harrison Ford plays uh, Deckard. Um, and he's a police officer, but he's uh, what they call a Blade Runner, mm. and he is basically tasked with hunting down replicants. Now, replicants are um, they're genetically engineered humans, and they become outlawed because of there were some issues where some replicants went a bit mad and killed people, yeah. so they were basically banished to off-world working like in um, mining and other other areas uh, they're superior to humans uh, the problem is is that because they're genetically engineered they have no past no. and they're a little bit mentally unstable so in order to make them more manageable they actually give them implant them false memories um, and as a, a bill a uh, as a built-in safeguard, they're given a five-year lifespan. Yeah. And so what happens is a group of replicants actually uh, escape off-world, come back to Earth. They're led by uh, Rutger Hauer, plays a character called Roy Batty. And what they want to do is they want to go and visit their maker, the guy who made them, Tyrell, uh, because what they want is they want to find out a way that they can live longer, like anybody, you know, anybody wants a longer life. Yeah. Um, and Deckard is basically brought back out of kind of retirement. I think he'd quit um, to to hunt them down, and that's essentially the story. Mm. Again, I probably haven't des- <laughs> described it. I did, did good, well, did but uh, it's an interesting concept. Yep. Um, the only way that they can the the new the new type of replicants are so good that the only way that they can determine if they're replicants or not is to is to administer this um, this like psychological test. Um, so yeah, it's it's um the way I can describe it is obviously it's very dystopian, isn't it? Yeah. But it's it's a movie yeah. that is very that was very ahead of its time. Yeah. As well. Again, it's beautifully shot, it's really well acted. Mm. You've got um Harrison Ford who's, who's sort of a departure from his Han Solo, Indiana Jones mm. role. Obviously trying to get into more of a sort of serious yeah. kind of um I mean I I, I well, think I think Roy Batty gets overlooked as yeah. some of the best Antagonist all the time because yeah. he is. He's brilliant, isn't he? Um, yeah, and it's it's 
I think the problem was it. I mean, it was it flopped at the box office, yep. but it came out at the same time as like ET, mm. the thing, which again flopped. So I think it it, it lost out to to those films mm. as well. But then, well, ET, you think you put that on, yeah. you have a good time. Where Blade Runner makes you think, doesn't it? You yeah. know. But I think the Blade Runner, obviously, f- like a lot of these films, found a new home on VHS, yep. um, and it's you know considered a cult classic. Mm. Obviously, spawned a sequel, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, but I think again, it's 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 one of my favourite films, yeah. and I think it deserves more recognition than 100%. it gets. I think. But I also think the. Um, I mean, there are there, there are actually t- a couple of versions of it as well because yeah. there's, I think Scott had a few issues with the studio. Um, there's there's, it's like um, it's like a, a traditional sort of fifties film noir detective story. Um, but updated. Yeah. In so the, the start, the start of the theatrical court. There's this kind of voiceover from Harrison Ford, which they didn't like. They reshot a different ending to make it more upbeat as well. So if you're gonna watch um, any version, I'd watch the director's cut of it. Yeah. Because I think that's a lot, a lot better. I think that's the one we watched recently, yep. was it as well? So yeah. Just a special uh, little thing to. I've seen things you people yeah, wouldn't um, believe. One to, of the best monologues yeah, ever. Yeah, there's a monologue. It's only 30 lines, but yes. it's, it's, it's called, famously called The Tears in Rain Speech, mm. which actually Rutger Hauer wrote. Yep. Um, I think it was David Peoples wrote the script, mm. and he reworked that, and then Rutger Hauer reworked it the night before filming, and supposedly he turned up on set. He did his own version without telling Scott. Yeah. And I think Scott basically time a new one but they said <laughs> great we'll keep it in yeah <laughs> and it is, yeah i think Rutger Hauer's performance in that is again under, understated but brilliant film like i said once again just go watch it yeah and make make of it what you yeah. what you want okay so that's alien and blade runner which are yeah. both on our list so yours. let's see what our last one is again it's difficult but i love black hawk down mm. i think that's a brilliant film um, I like American Gangster. Yeah. I like Body of Lies. I like um, All the Money in the World. I thought that was a good film as well. I think I know which film you're going to say. Oh, <laughs> it's probably going to be on the all this Gladiator. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> First film I ever saw on DVD was Gladiator. Mm. Um, didn't explain the plot. Well, where do you start? Yeah. So <laughs> the the main character is called Maximus Decimus Meridius. Um, he is a military general in the Roman Empire, and he's one of the most trusted, high-ranking uh, officials of Marcus Aurelius. And um, Marcus Aurelius is is slaughtered by his jealous son Commodus because he was almost Maximus was almost more of a son to Mar- uh, Marcus Aurelius than Commodus, so he slays. Yeah, but basically he. Um Marcus Aurelius wanted Rome to be, uh, become a republic Public, again, yep. and he wanted Maximus to be the sort of the protector of Rome mm. in the transitional period. And he tells Commodus that he's not going to be emperor. No. So he then ends up killing in a jealous him. rage. Yeah. Yep, he kills him. Um, orders uh, Maximus to be uh, was it killed? Yep. Or, yep. And his family as well. And his family. Maximus escapes. Um, 
and it's, it's obviously it's, it's fam- uh, I, can't, I can't I don't know if I can give too much away yeah he basically becomes a gladiator doesn't he and yeah he's, he's, he's then he finds his way back to Rome he where, find, yeah he yeah. works his way up through the gladiator where world he becomes like one of the top gladiators yeah. it's um, hard trying, like, yeah, trying to give is, too yeah. much stuff away um, and he's obviously his his primary motivation is revenge against Commodus yep. and he'll do anything he can to try and, and stand before him even if it means yeah. giving his own life up yeah um, so. I, th- I think that's that's good enough. yeah pretty much I think yeah, yeah without spoilers yeah because it's very hard to yeah. try and say it um, I think the, the obviously the the main takeaway from this this film is is uh, Russell Crowe yeah. his performance a, of course an Oscar winning performance um, this was a film before that he'd been in a couple high, sort of high profile LA films Confidential yeah The Insider um, and he'd, he'd made a film in Australia called Romper Stomper yep. as well. And this was like his first full-on yeah. big break as the as a the main leading, kind of leading man. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's just once again with Ridley Scott. One, he he shoots the film perfectly, and two, it's just great story writing as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. it's just some so, of the battle scenes at the beginning, yeah, are brilliant. And the actual fight scenes as well. He knows how to good. he knows yeah. how to shoot a fight, doesn't he? Yeah. But. Um, Brilliant performance. One of the last performance by Oliver Reed again. Yeah, brilliant. Rest Richard, in peace, Richard Harris, Joaquin Phoenix. Yep, he's really, once again one of the again, be- one of the best antagonists. Antagonist, yeah. So yeah, I think it's just, like I said, it's another one where you just got to go watch it. But it's just yeah, it's just brilliant storytelling. It it may not be historically accurate, but you chuck that out the window because uh, it just screams Rome doesn't it and if you're a fan of Rome um, it's quite a tragic tale really but it I don't know I'm not going to say it because it gives it away yeah. Yeah, it's so hard isn't yeah. it um, just, just watch the movie <laughs> all I will say is it kind of it kind of made making a sequel quite difficult <laughs> oh yeah yeah well that's that's what we'll say yeah. that's what we'll but like I said uh, just as a as a sort of yeah. takeaway it's a, it's a brilliant story um, brilliant characters that you actually yeah. care about and once again another Hans Zimmer score probably one yeah. of his best um, definitely watch this one and um, yeah I, I don't think we gave too much no, away there so, so. Just, okay. just watch your people okay? right so we both got the same three of those yeah did we okay so yep. we're going to move on to David Fincher yep so David Fincher I've got to say I don't really know a lot about him. No. Um, I know he's just looking at his filmography. He's obviously had a start in music videos. Mm. Um, but just going, let's have a look through his filmography. Panic Room, he did. What's that before that? Sorry, I'm just trying to go through. Uh, it's probably first film was Alien 3. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Seven, uh, The Game. Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac, Curious ba- Case of Benjamin Button, Social Network, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, um, and Gone Girl. So, do you want to go first? Or do you want yeah, it's just, um, once again, David Fincher, a really good filmography. Yeah. Um, he, again, he's not as prolific in films no. as he has been in, in music videos, but we always say that we think he's the the master of the the twist yeah There's a lot of his films have got really good twists in them yeah and he tends to stick to thrillers doesn't yeah, he really he does. which is his, his um 
forte really so do you want to do uh, first well okay um, this is probably on your list as well but it's seven it is on my list yes um, seven is just one of those films that I can put on and watch anytime yeah yeah. Um, stars Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, um, Kevin Spacey, and basically it's um, Morgan Freeman is a detective. He's retiring. Brad Pitt is his replacement. Um, in the last week of his um, before he retires, this serial killer um, emerges, and he seems to be killing people according to the Seven Deadly Sins. Yep. Um, initially. Uh, Morgan Freeman is, is going to stay on because he doesn't feel that Brad Pitt's character is ready yet to take on this and he's saying you don't want this to be your first case no. but they, they come to kind of an uneasy um, alliance and work yeah. together to capture the serial killer played by Kevin Spacey can, um, you, can I just give a shout yeah. out to Police Chief Arlie Army legend yeah. rest yeah. in peace my guy um, and obviously Gwyneth Paltrow plays Brad Pitt's wife yeah. um, and there is um, Massive twist in the end. Don't want to yep. give it away, but suffice to say, what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you go through Rana or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's um, it's. I mean, this Kevin Spacey's um character John Doe, just like like we said before, appears out of nowhere. Got yeah. no, don't know who he is. Uh, don't know what his motivation is. Uh, but he, he meticulously plans these murders mm. um, and in the end touches on the uh, the main protagonist. That's all yep. I'm going to say. Yep. Um, I I always have this at the top of, of um, sort of thriller films. Um, what I love about this film is is uh, William Somerset, um, Morgan Freeman's character, is, is sort of the older, older head. He's the veteran. And David Mills, obviously Brad Pitt's character, is the cocky, young, up-and-coming guy, and they just work together so well. They bounce off each other, yeah. you know, don't they? And there's there's almost this while all these murders going, there's always always a conflict there. Yeah. But they they do. It's weird. They they have there's moments where they bond, and then there's moments where they clash, yeah. and it just works so well. Yeah. Um, and once again, it's 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 a thriller film, and it and it keeps you on the edge of your seat for the whole time. It keeps you invested. Yeah. The characters are so good. The story is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Once again, it, it may seem like quite a basic story, yeah. but it's just certain things he puts in there, and he's just once again a brilliant story storyteller. And it, David thrillers is really David Fincher's area, yeah. and. <clears throat> yeah, it's just an absolutely amazing thriller film that it once again it leaves you. Once you left the film, it stays with you as well, doesn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. and you just when you're watching the film, you're just like, this is a masterpiece. There's no other word for it, mm. you know. If you haven't already watched this film, I don't know where you've been, but <laughs> you should definitely watch this film because it's absolutely a masterpiece of thriller yes, genres. Is. Okay, your first one. Uh, that was my first one. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. Uh, I don't. You probably have it on your list, Zodiac. Um, I don't know actually now. I'll, I'll host <laughs> the gun then, because <laughs> I've I've kind of looking at the list. Uh, um, yeah, I think Zodiac. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I know you love Zodiac. I do. Yeah, the Zodiac yeah. killing. So yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you. Basically, it's 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 based on uh, the Zodiac killings, which is a series of killings in the seventies in San Francisco. And it follows um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. He's a he's a newspaper cartoonist, but he then takes an interest in this 
in the whole thing and he tries to uh, basically solve the crime and he it's actually based on his book the actual film yeah. based on his, his book it's got Robert uh, Downey Jr um, who plays the actual uh, San Francisco Chronicle uh, crime uh, reporter uh, it's got Mark Ruffalo as the, the main detective um, and the thing about this is obviously it's based on a true story so yeah. all these people existed um, it's just like I say the Zodiac um, he became famous because he would kill people he then he would send these um, like cryptic ciphers to the newspapers um, and I think a couple actually managed to crack one yeah. which gave some clues to his identity but it didn't actually reveal who he was suffice to say Zodiac Killer's never been no. brought to justice uh, this explores several different um, theories and and kind of settles on one particular yeah uh, suspect but again it's never been proven and it probably never will because i think most of the the main suspects are probably i think dead now yeah long gone probably yeah. by now yeah um yeah uh, once again it's it's i don't think watching this film i don't think i've ever been more uncomfortable because yeah. one it's actually it is it, it of course it's going to be dramatized but yeah. it is relatively it's based on a true story you've got the skeleton of, of the true story mm. um because obviously you've got this guy investigating and he you know and but you you, you then you've got leeway around that to, yeah. to obviously dramatize it because you've got to do that you've got to make it an interesting film an yeah. entertaining film but i think from a lot of the sort of um what do you say faction i would call it factual yeah. fiction film but saying that though the better ones i think um it does actually because uh, I've I've looked into the case obviously yeah um, it does actually stay quite a lot of the time it does stay quite true to yeah. the case and just that in its own and, and just uh, there's some scenes in that film that just make you so I've never been so uncomfortable watching a movie before like I actually have to like hold yeah. myself because it's just it's just so un, like it's so scary isn't it yeah, you know the, it one the fact that it is Zodiac was a real person yeah or they could still be alive, maybe. And one of the weirdest things about this film is, um, like JFK, it kind of swung my whole idea of the case because <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, maybe my my number one suspect, and it's kind of changed that, you know. And yeah. it's just, ah, uh, it is once it, like the only, the the only way I can describe it is it just makes you so uncomfortable yeah. and. But it's it, you could, it's weird because it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. You just can't stop watching it because it, it's kind of obviously a departure from his normal films. Yeah. So you can't really get that twist in it. No. But it does. You know, there are, like you say, some uncomfortable moments in it. There's mm. some dramatic moments, some thrilling moments as well. And obviously, they have to recreate some of the murders as best they yeah. can. So that, I think it does. It it captures a. I think the fear at the time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, you really feel. The whole city is is just scared shitless yeah. of this, you know. Um, I mean, just touch on a couple of the the performances. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Um, obviously, he was. I think this was the first movie he was cast in, or the first big movie he was cast in. Um, you know, when he was trying to uh, sort of right the wrongs he had in his in his life. Yeah, so his personal um, life. Yeah, yeah, because this was this was before Iron Man, and um, he. I'm glad David Fincher trusted him enough and and hired him for the movie because 
he is absolutely. He, I think he's got the best performance in the movie. Personally, mm. you know, everyone knows he, he's a absolutely world class actor, and he just he totally just steals the show in this. Yeah. But he doesn't. It's not a way where it takes away from Jake Gyllenhaal or, no. or Mark Ruffalo because them three main characters they're they they almost once again they almost bounce off each other because yeah. obviously Mark Ruffalo's a detective, isn't he? Yeah. And he's he's trying to actually solve the case, you know. Um, but yeah, like I said, the, the, I know I've said it many times, but this movie is just so uncomfortable, but you just cannot stop yeah. watching because uh, even if you're not a fan of the Zodiac, this will make you a fan of the, of the actual case itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, it's a bit dramatised, but like all the victims in the movie were real. All the ways in which they, they were killed were mostly real, you know? So yeah, it, it, yeah it's just such a... I just couldn't. I was like torturing myself because I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen, you know. So yeah, okay. So we've both agreed on Zodiac and Seven. Seven. Uh, what's what's the? Well, it's uh, it's difficult because I want to go with Gone Girl. Yeah, I think Fight Club. Brilliant film, amazing twist to it, but I just I just like Gone Girl. I think. Believe it or not, you're probably thinking I have Fight Club, but I've gone Girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So, um, Gone Girl basically um, stars Ben Affleck and Rosemary Pike. Pike. Uh, they're a married couple. Um, they're obviously going through difficult times. I think mm. Ben Affleck's just about to divorce. Uh, he's having an affair, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and she disappears. Um, looks like she's been murdered. Yeah, kidnapped, murdered. Kidnapped, yeah, kidnapped, murdered. Um, he comes on one day, she's gone. The house is a mess. But then, the more the police are investigating, the more they dig into his background, and he then is seen as a prime suspect. Modern lingo: the more sussy is. Yeah, so. exactly. I can't believe um, And it's it's his. Um, he's then obviously trying to clear his name. While finding out, while finding out what happened to mm. his his wife. Now, I don't want to spoil it. No, but it is a, a, an amazing twist and just shows um, how good of a, a writer that David yeah. Fincher is. I think because this is a, a, a it's a slow slow start. I think mm. it, it takes like a typical like I say typical kidnapping murder case, but then obviously as it unfolds, mm. you start to see more and more into the mind of of. Of the characters, oh, oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I think the, the the best part of it is Ben Affleck. You yeah. know, um, I think the older we both agree, the older he's got, yeah. the more the better at acting he is. And because we we really see the 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 film through his eyes. It's it's the film's about him, isn't it? It's ba- yeah. it's um, he's sort of our eyes he, into yeah, the film. You know, characters. He's not perfect. He's no. flawed like everybody else is. Doesn't try to pretend to be. No. Um, but he's not having to deal with being falsely accused of murdering his wife, basically. Yeah. Um, or did he do it? Mm. You'll have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, he puts in a brilliant performance. Rosamund Pike as well puts in a brilliant performance. Yeah. Um, I can't. She actually got robbed for the Oscar, in my opinion, that year, but that's a different story. But yeah, once again, it's just David Fincher at his best storytelling-wise. Yeah. It's very laid, very deep. You know, there's a couple of twists in the, in the film as yep. well. Um, so yeah, it's... <laughs> It's difficult to explain without giving no. too much away, but it, yeah, it's an absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah, I think if you need to know 
everything about David Fincher is in that film. Yeah, hundred percent. Brilliant film. Okay. Anything else? Um, no. What for, for Gone Girl? Yeah, or for Fincher in. in, in um, um, yeah, just just once again that he's, he he is the master at, at thrillers. Yeah. Um, he's a, once again he's a brilliant storyteller, brilliant um, way of adapting screenplays and. Um, he always has brilliant characters as well, doesn't yeah. he? So, um, yeah, he's just, uh, I'd say, one of the best directors in, in the past, what, 30 years? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to move on um, to James Cameron. Yeah. Again, not a prolific director. No. Um, but I'll just go through some of his uh, his filmography. One of his first films was Piranha Part 2, The Spawning. <laughs> No. Good start. <laughs> Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, True Lies, Titanic. Then he got caught up in the whole Titanic thing. Yep. Uh, made, a, made a few um, documentaries about it. Uh, and then it, it was actually, amazingly, between Titanic in 97 and Avatar was 2009. Mm. So there was uh, like a 12-year break between those two films. And then, obviously, now you've got Avatar 2 which again is an, a 13 year break between that well basically we're never going to see another James Cameron movie that isn't an Avatar yeah, movie Avatar so. 3, 4 and 5 so uh, I'm going to go first yep I'm going to my is going to be Terminator I know I know what number one the Terminator okay yep yeah, because I think again as a as a first real film because obviously you wrote it as well didn't yeah. you um I think as a concept, it's quite good because it's it's a futuristic science fiction action film, but set in the present day, mm. and it's kind of obviously for a large budget film, it gets around this whole uh, need to have expensive special effects. Yeah, because the idea is that um, in future computers have taken over the world; they become uh, sentient. Uh, they spark. They try and get rid of humans by sparking a nuclear war. Um, some humans survive there's uh, one of them called John Connor who leads the resistance they're starting to fight back against the, the machines um, they actually have a victory that, and then what happens is the machines realise that they've lost so they send back so they send back in time a Terminator which is a cyborg so it's a, basically a robot covered in human skin or covered in flesh back in time to murder the mother of John Connor mm. Um, but then what happens is the hum uh, the resistance capture the time machine actually are able to send back one of their own to try and stop the Terminator um, Carl Reese played by Michael Bean yep um, and like I say it's a really noble concept because you know they're asked in the film why can't you why can't you bring back like laser guns and modern weapons so nothing metal can pass through the, the time machine what about the Terminator all these metal covered in flesh so it gets around a lot of that well that's just great um, precise storytelling yeah. isn't it story um, way and like I say for low budget film you kind of get around having to have you know a lot of special effects yeah. there are some there's some sort of flashback uh, but very few well it's, it's the Jurassic Park treatment where he yeah. knows how and when to use them doesn't yeah, he yeah definitely due to his budget um, obviously Terminator played by Arnold Schwarzenegger um, which again was kind of a defining role I know he'd done yeah. Conan before that I think yeah had he done Conan yeah yeah. but yeah I think this kind of defined him as, mm. a, as and again one of the one of probably the best antagonists 
um, he's that kind of unstoppable yeah. machine, that killing machine, that Michael Myers type style. You know, it's it's that same story. Um, and well, he actually based his his yeah. movement on Michael Myers yeah. and your Brenner in Westworld, actually. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah. it did spawn. You know, how many sequels have we got? Some better than others. Yeah. Obviously, what was it? Dark Fate was the latest yeah. one now, which reintroduced um, Schwarzenegger and Linda um, Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. But yeah, I think for a first film, um, I think it again defined a genre as well. Oh yeah, because it was it was the, there's time travel movies, but nothing that deep and laid yeah. and fresh and new, wasn't there? But it's, yeah, it's it's a very um, I mean it's it's absolutely brilliant concept. I think. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. It's sort of certainly like a felt like a lightning in a bottle moment. You yeah, know? He's exactly. Like, right, I've got an idea. I'm going to run with that. I've got a brilliant idea. Yeah. You know. Um, Again, he's you know it's he's a good writer. He's a good director. Yeah. Uh, he's maybe not the best, but yeah, yeah. And soundtrack Brad Fidel was yeah, it? Brad Fidel, did that yeah. as well. So that was kind of this kind of new electronic kind of it's very eighties, very eighties. Yeah, I mean it's a very eighties film. Yeah. But I do think it stands up a oh, yeah. bit as well. It's one of the most iconic yeah. ever, you know. Um, and I think, like you said, it's low budget, and it, 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 yeah, it does show it's low budget. But in a way, one you think, oh my god, he made a movie this good, mm. low budget, and two, it adds to the charm of it, yeah. doesn't it? And you show where it shows where James Cameron has come from, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant film. Um, you may have this on your list, The Abyss. Yeah, actually, okay. yeah. Right, what can you say about the abyss? Um, <laughs> it's basically about a, a deep sea drilling, um, uh, and what happens is a, an alien. They're basically well. It starts off with a submarine, doesn't it? Being, yeah. Being basically, they encounter an alien, and the submarine sinks. And the closest to to the submarine is this deep sea drilling rig, and they're basically given the task of trying to rescue start a rescue yeah. mission um, they're aided by uh, some Navy SEALs uh, whose leader's Michael Bean again <laughs> <laughs> um, but again it, it's that kind of claustrophobic um, you're dealing with the unknown you've got the aliens who are essentially benign but you've got Michael Bean's character he's, he's become paranoid thinking that there's something to do with the Russians mm. um, he's wanting to explode a nuclear weapon as well so it's kind of it's it's not it's not film to it actually try and explain really is yeah it is but there's also other other this sort of dramatic um moments between sort of ed harris and mary elizabeth Mastantonio who were i think they're divorced aren't they yeah. but they're still working together so that kind of creates a little bit of the romance dramatic stuff mm -hmm. um but again yes yeah, it's, it's a hard film to sort of describe uh, to explain what goes goes on mm -hmm. it but again it's it's one you've got to really got to watch I think watch for yourself and um, like I said it, it's always what I take away from this is one it's not, it's nice to actually see Ed Harris in a proper leading man role instead of just a supporting actor you know yeah. I think he's a really good actor um, what he did for special effects as well CGI yeah. it was absolutely yeah. revolutionary at the yeah. time I wouldn't give away too much but it, it certainly well, it's kind of paved the way for Terminator 2 yeah it did it, really because yeah. Um, yeah it it's uh, some of the special effects, particularly involving the water, uh, absolutely brilliant. As well. Absolutely revolutionary. Yeah. Um, and it's got it has an overarching 
I don't know if, if I can say this um, as an overarching uh, sort of um, theme of uh, your your expectations at, thir- at first are not always right, you know, because mm-hmm. um, they perceive this this alien to be hostile. Threat, yeah, and uh, is, that, is that am I giving no, no, I think and so. at the no. end they they sort of they help Ed Harris. I won't tell you what how they help Ed Harris, but he's in shock that they actually have, and because obviously everyone perceives this alien mm, yeah. as as bad and hostile, but um, yeah, it's just got that overarching theme. Yeah. All the characters are good. Um, once again, it's got that claustrophobic nature to it, yeah. and the the actual um, underwater rig was practical as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is, it was the biggest pool in the world, I wasn't think it? They, it was actually... Um, and there was a power station. It was a nuclear power station. Power station, station yeah. construction. They had to film it in the actual um, pool uh, mm. of that. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that sparked his interest in like, underwater yeah, stuff Yeah, could, well, could have been, maybe. maybe. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's... It's just a really, really nice film to watch, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I must admit, it, it's... it's I had a bit of tears at the end because it was just like <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of a message of hope and yeah, being you know, sort of not be ending to it as well. Don't always um, the first impression is always right, sort of thing, you know. And don't always judge a book by its cover, that sort of thing. So yeah, just give it a watch because it's a it is a you'll, you'll come away from the film happy, wouldn't you? You know. So yeah, it's just a nice little James Cameron film, mate. So. Right. So yeah. So Terminator Abyss. Um, my next one is probably on your list, I think. Yeah. As well, um, and that's Terminator Two. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could have gone with Aliens. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think Terminator Two. Um, obviously, it's made what seven years after the original on a much larger budget. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 essentially the story is that. Skynet, which is the computer network from the future, is still trying to get rid of John Connor. So it sends back a updated new Terminator, the T-1000, and sends them back in time to kill John Connor as a... uh, How old is he? Uh, He's about 11, 12, is he? Something like that. Um, his mother's been um she's incarcerated in a mental institution so he's basically in, living in a foster home he's going well the foster parents and he's, he's going a little bit off the rails um the resistance capture a terminator again played by Arnold schwarzenegger t800 and they send him back to try to stop the t1000 and to protect uh young john connor yeah um so it's obviously Schwarzenegger flipping from being the the protagonist, the antagonist, to being you know one of the, sort of the a protagonist, and I think that was the change in his image. He wanted, yeah, because he, he did more family-friendly films back then. Uh, Jingle All the Way, for example. Well, I believe the, the year before they did Kung Garden Cop, didn't he? Yeah, Kung oh. Garden Cop. So I think he wanted to to more of a family-friendly sort of image as yeah. well. Um, again, it's it's much higher budget I mean it it redefined a lot of the CGI at the time as well which I think still stands up oh yeah 100% say. yeah um, and it's got quite uh, it's quite a sad ending yeah but it, it's um, basically Terminator sacrifices itself 
uh, and it, it it's I think the best part of the film is the actual relationship between the young John Connor and the Terminator. Cause it's very paternal because yeah, he almost becomes a father figure to yeah. him. And uh, Sarah Connor, she realizes that he's he's probably the best father that he could have because he he'll never let anything happen to him. He'll always be there. Um, and it, it, she come obviously the events from the original. She's she's skeptical of of the the T eight hundred, but they they kind of at the end of the film have this kind of uneasy almost like friendship yeah in a way like a mutual respect with him isn't it yeah so yeah so again it's I think it's we probably agree it's probably a a better Terminator film yeah but I think obviously without the Terminator you wouldn't have Terminator 2 and the two two different movies as well you know I mean Uh, Terminator 2 is more action you know Terminator the, the the first one is more like a horror yeah, film, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. The second one, the way I can describe it is Terminator kicked the uh, it opened the door yeah. and Terminator 2 kicked the door off the hinges, yeah. sort of thing. You know, it's all out James Cameron action, yeah. and it's uh, but it's so much more than that as well. Like you said, it's got it's got that overarching yeah. story of of paternity. Um, the the believe it or not, the T eight hundred actually feels like a real fleshed out character as well, which yeah. is very good writing I, lo- I love the way how they they introduce um, the T-800 as the yeah. good guy because obviously it's a machine it can learn so it's it's learning to to emotional be, it's learning emotions you know um, it's learning from John Connor as well well at the end he, he goes I understand why you yeah. cry you yeah. know and it's just um, yeah it's just great storytelling isn't it once again um, like I said I, I it's probably my favourite of the Terminator movies. Um, obviously, it helps having a higher budget and whatnot. Um, even the things like Brad Fidel's um, much more updated uh, rendition of his of his original score. Yeah. Um, Linda Hamilton. I have to talk about her as Sarah Connor. Uh, yeah, you got you got Ellen Ripley. Um, Sarah Connor's definitely yeah. up there as one of the greatest female protagonists because she, between the two films, she has a very massive arc. You know, yeah. she's like in the in the first film, she's almost like the she's the victim, isn't she? Yeah, the, the good film. the good girl as well. Yeah. You know, uh, but in this one, obviously, she is the because supposedly in between the film, she's gone off. She's got training in weapons and yeah. um, and fighting, and and she's become yeah like a badass, and she really yeah. Um, and that's the character that's kind of taken into the later films as well. But yeah, it's just it's just a, a yeah. brilliant action film, and and um, once again, like I said, it is it's another one that that truly does stay with you because it's very emotional as well, isn't yeah. it? And the action set pieces are are it's got one of the best chases in history, as in terms <laughs> of one of the stunts yeah. made by one of the stunt people, obviously yeah. the helicopter scene. Um, and also the the inner turmoil with Sarah as well, yeah. you know, um, yeah, it's just an absolutely amazing film. But I think a tell a good film is how how much it's parodied or copied. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of the films that we've talked about, you know, you you'll see them parodied in in other films, TV. So I think that's that's always the tell is that yeah. they've entered that kind of social um, stratosphere. Yeah. I guess <laughs> one of a better word <laughs> I know big words yeah so 
what we decided to do as we're an hour and a half in and we're still halfway through our list um, I'll, I'll, I've got one more film but I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just say it I don't care I'll just say it and then I won't bother going okay. into it it's um, what was my film True Lies I can, you can carry on it's fine yeah um, do you like True Lies um, I do I'm not saying that True Lies is, no. is anywhere near as good as Terminator but 2 it, it is what it is if you take it at what it is which is, I think is a kind of an action kind of comedy yeah um, then yeah it's it's, it's it's a fun film yeah, it's, it, a, it's kind of a departure from, from it's sort of normal normal films but do you want to explain yeah, yeah. so um, Arnold, it's Arnie again he's, he's the lead and he plays Harry Tasker who is a uh, I believe he's in CIA is he yeah. or he's a secret okay, agent yeah. Yeah. and um, his wife was played by Jamie Lee Curtis and he hasn't told her that he is a secret agent and um, there's there's sort of a, a bit of a conflict between them um, he's always missing out on family ventures and whatnot, and then she always feels like uh, she hasn't lived enough and so what happens is uh, Harry uh, sort of like fakes her being kidnapped and they sort of make her an agent for the day, if, if you want to say that. And um, they get embroiled uh, in this um, terrorist or, um, organization yeah. who are uh, trying to smuggle nukes into the United States. Um, just one thing I missed out, uh, she is does think that he's having an affair so they're kind of like a bit sus about each other um, obviously she thinks they're just randomly after her and then she sees Harry there when who they're actually after and it and it just and so obviously she she thinks that they're after her for some reason when actually they're like I said they're after Harry and um, yeah it's, it's actually kind of it, like you said it's, it's, a, it's like a almost a comedy yeah and it's just it, it plays out in that I won't give too much away um, but yeah it's just a it's just a fun movie you can just put on and you can have but just the, the scene at the end where the, the terrorist is, is flying a Harrier jump jet yeah and they're fighting him and <laughs> Harrier fighting on top of this jump yeah. jet and it's just that kind of yeah you've got to suspend belief haven't you really <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing this in cinemas I think yeah um, yeah it's, it's not a bad film but like I say it's kind of a departure from Cameron's I just, I just love how bullshit it is but, like yeah. you know Terminator 2 90s action though yeah really? Terminator 2 you put on and, and you invested in the story you know and it may take it out on you for watching it um, you may lose energy trying to watch a, a film as complex as Terminator 2 with True Lies you can just put it on and have a good time with it and that's why I love it I've, I've watched the film about 20 times and I just I just laugh at it uncontrollably for how bullshit it is and it's just it's funny and it's yeah. just a a good action like you said bullshit 90s action movie yeah. so yeah it's, it's yeah it's worth a watch I think yeah um, I actually might go and watch it <laughs> I've got it on my TiVo if you want to watch it mate okay. <laughs> yeah. okay well thank you for that like I said we're kind of um, we're an hour and a half into this and we're only halfway through our list so I think what we're going to do is split this into two mm. and we're going to deal with the second half of our list in our next podcast episode similar kind of format and this we're actually back this time, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, all that's left for me to do is thank you for joining us. Thank you, Cheeto. Thank you, Robo. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.